0: The great thing about tapping into your entrepreneurial side as a copywriter is you can control your career and fate. You can grow and evolve personally and professionally over decades. You can chase any vision as long as you don't lose sight of it. Today's guest for the 261st episode of the Copywriter Club podcast is Think Tank member Annabelle Landeverde. Annabelle's a clear example of a multi passionate copywriter and entrepreneur who doesn't let big dreams or goals scare her away from building her dream e commerce business.
1: Before we jump into our interview with Annabelle, which is much better than last week's interview with our guest, this podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Think Tank. That's our mastermind for copywriters and other marketers who want to think outside the box and build new offers or revenue streams into their business. There's a couple of reasons that I like the think tank. Number one, you're surrounded by a bunch of other ambitious copywriters doing copywriter-y things. Not just copywriters, though, marketers and experts trying to grow businesses using copywriting as a superpower. Number two, it's built around your goals. A lot of times with masterminds, you join, the person that's leading the mastermind has a specific way that they built their business and they teach everybody to do that same way. That's not how the think tank operates. We focus on your goals and what you want to achieve and then figure out how best to get there. And number three, if you join the copywriter think tank, you get Everything included in the Copywriter Club, including free ticket to the event that we'll be talking about in the very near future uh, next year in Nashville. If you want more information about the Copywriter Think Tank, go to CopywriterThinkTank.com.
0: Okay, let's dive into the episode and find out how Annabelle started her journey. It was
2: a windy road. Uh, I definitely didn't graduate college thinking, oh, direct response. In fact, I graduated college with a political science degree and thought that I was going to go government or nonprofit. And what I ended up doing actually was becoming an admission counselor for my alma mater. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was my first introduction to direct sales, really, Uh, because what I did was... I would recruit nationally. Uh, I'd go to different high school fairs or just high school or college fairs and meet with kids and tell them why Gustavus Adolphus College, it's where I went in Minnesota, was a great place to go. And then I would guide them through the application process. And through that, I was learning email marketing. I was learning face-to-face sales. And then as soon as people decided – you know, they got the financial aid package, they tried to figure out what's the right choice, then it's really closing the deal. And I did that for about three years, which took me to my next spot in San Francisco, which was working as a digital marketing associate for the World Affairs Council. And I thought it was my dream job. Again, I was a poli-sci major, and here I was basically leading all the digital communications for this international nonprofit, and come to find out I just dreaded it. Uh, and that was my first time experiencing what I thought was a dream job. You know, I was downtown San Francisco. I was working with all these touring artists. Well, authors who were like ex-journalists, ex-government employees. And I was like, you know, this really isn't what I thought it would be. Uh, it's not as exciting, and it just it just didn't light me up anymore. And at the time, I was in a long-distance relationship. And that relationship brought me to Austin, where I ended up uh, leading communications for Whole Foods Market's newest uh, nonprofit called Whole Cities Foundation. Again, dream job scenario. And I was able to really lead the branding there. And it was internally focused. So that meant that I was really mostly focused on working with employees of whole foods market and getting them aware that there was this new foundation and how they can get involved but i wasn't putting to practice external marketing right it was really putting the foundation um, communication plan together and really getting it out to an internal audience but what i wanted to dip my toes into next was how do i really grow this and get fo- like foundation uh, money from the outside world and so at this time again i was in austin texas I started going to, by chance, a networking event called the Internet Marketing Party. And I say it's by chance because I happen to live in the same apartment complex as the person who was running the event. His name's David Gonzalez. And um, my boyfriend was holding a book, which I highly recommend you read, called Influence uh, by Robert Cialdini. Uh, and David goes, You look like you might be in marketing because of the book you're reading. I run this club. You should come. And it has been a game changer for me Uh, because what the Internet Marketing Party does is it brings together entrepreneurs, honestly, from all walks of life. And people will fly into the event, too. And they'll bring a speaker on stage to talk about whatever expertise they have. And then you get to network afterwards. So it like kind of cuts the ice of just going blind into a networking event. Like you actually have a training to go to, uh, and then you can talk about that. And that's really where I first discovered direct response copywriting. I had been in the world of branding, of communications, of really being a generalist and the internet marketing party really opened my eyes to what does it mean to be in direct sales online? Right. Uh, I had some face to face experience and I had prior to going to college, I actually used to sell Cutco. So that's how I paid for my first year of college was basically going door to door, selling knives. <laughs> cutlery. I was able to really channel what I had learned from Cutco, what I had learned from being an admission counselor and really bringing empathy into sales too. I think that's one of the things that I learned as an admission counselor is you're listening for what people want, and then you're also seeing, is this a good match, right? And it's one thing to be able to do that when you're in a face-to-face conversation, but what I learned with copywriting is to be able to do that even when there's no face-to-face interaction, even if it's just you listening to someone, you know, by doing research, listening to what their pain points are, listening to what their desires are, and really being able to speak to that online to move them to move, action.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I've written down like six different questions that I want to ask, or six different things (laughs) I want to ask about. Um, But I I want to go all the way back to like that first job, um, because it's really intriguing to me, you know, selling kids, you know, 17, 18, 19 year olds on going to a college that's maybe not a name brand, you know, it's not Stanford, it's not Harvard or whatever. So obviously that takes some serious persuasion. Tell us a little bit more about, and, and I know you, maybe you started getting into this when you were mentioning empathy, but tell us a little bit more about how you did that. How did you connect with them to convince them to come to a place that's pretty dang cold? It's, you know, it's not USC, it's not Florida. And how do you get them to make that choice and sell them on something that's maybe not as good as some of the alternatives, at least in their minds, it's not as good?
2: Yeah. Well, I think the biggest the biggest thing was I believed in the product and I believed in my experience there. So... I mean, one lesson is to just only ever take on work that you believe in. Like the product is great and you can easily sell it because it doesn't actually even feel like selling at that point. You're really sharing your experience and why it's been life-changing for you. So my background, I totally, like, I'm one of the rare kids who was like, I'm moving to this college, sight and unseen, sign me up. I had grown up in San Francisco and I just wanted something completely different. I was thinking about going to school on the like, well, I wanted something different, and I had limitations placed on me that I should stay in the same state. So I was like, well, let me get as far away as possible and I'll just be on the beach in LA at some school down there. And by chance, uh, I had met a professor who was at the school in Minnesota. And I had some family ties in Minnesota too, and they had offered a lot of scholarship money. And so my mom was like, okay, you can do it. Right. So I took that experience to all of my other out-of-state kids that I was recruiting. And I was saying, listen, if you want something that's different, and if you want one-on-one attention versus, you know, big public schools, it's kind of like, it's, it's more independent. And with private schools, you get a lot more handholding and a lot more, I would say opportunities for you because there's less competition. Right. And so it's really easy, I think, to sell that personal attention and the opportunities that that can come with. Um, because yes, of course, Stanford is amazing. Harvard is amazing. Any of the big 10 public schools are great, but you also have higher stakes to compete in, right? And in, when I think about the world of sales or the world of copywriting, it's like there's millions of copywriters but if you can narrow down to one niche, right, then all of a sudden you're attracting people who are in that space, right? And so I, I took that with kids, too, and it was like, you, you figure out what they want, and if it's a good match, you line up all the reasons why it would be great for them to be at that college. Um, but also, there's responsibility there, right, because this is someone's life, and all the options that they have moving forward. So I was also really um, clear when it wasn't a good match. And I think that makes it, I think that's a great trait to have anytime you're selling an idea, because one, if you believe in the product and two, you know who you're looking for and who, whose life it could actually change, then it's really like you're, you're doing a great service, right? And if you're clear about this is not a good match, then it's easier for both parties to move on to the next thing.
0: Okay. So Annabelle, I would love to hear from you about working at Whole Foods and working on the internal branding and internal marketing, because we don't talk about that as frequently, what it looks like when you are working internally for a larger company. And so I would just love to hear about what lessons, you know, what marketing or branding or copywriting lessons you took away from that time when you were focused internally and what was really powerful, what worked well, during that time? Well, anytime you
2: come into a company, there's already a company culture that's been established, right? And so the first part was really understanding what was the language that Whole Foods Market employees used um, and what was the core values that they already had set up that they can, that they identify with. And that's already consistent in like all of the trainings that they were going through um, and how their team meetings were conducted, especially for a multinational company that has, like, almost 500 stores, right? Uh, and so that was the first thing, is just getting a, a handle on what is the culture uh, and what is the language. And then the next part was one of the things that I think makes Whole Foods so cool is that it, it definitely, um, there's a value of local focus, right? So even each state or each reason region excuse me had its own quirks and its own culture Uh, I mean it was kind of like I mean it's one big company but there's 12 different regions in it and each one like has its own president and its own like kind of way of doing things and so it was learning also what what matters to each region and how do you connect to the audience there
0: What worked during that time with that type of communication, internal communication, that could be useful to us as copywriters, even if we've never worked on internal marketing?
2: Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is understanding like, okay, as a company as a whole, what's the language and what's the culture? And then in a company as big as Whole Foods and understanding that there's 12 different regions and different contact points, the biggest thing you could do is network and just find who are your contact points in each region. Because they can give you insight into what resonates with their crowd, and also like what are their meeting times and what matters to them. In my time, I actually did a lot of traveling, too. So I was in person in a lot of different places. One, to like understand how I can improve my messaging. Um, but two, it was also it was also a chance to really connect because it was internal and it wasn't externally facing yet my role was one telling people that it existed but two inspiring them to donate right inspiring them to give a lot of the whole foods market foundations are internally driven in terms of just passion that the team members have and since they're the ones that are having the most interaction with customers shoppers at whole foods right like the cashiers or the stalkers. They were then able to really sell why you should donate once there was an external fundraising opportunity.
1: As I listen to you talk about your experience, Annabelle, obviously you have had a lot of experience with direct response, even before you discovered direct response as a thing. Like you're always trying to take action, get people to take action. And I want to go back to what you were saying about empathy as part of the sales process. I'm wondering if you can talk just a little bit more about how do we. How do we get empathy into the copy so that we're making that human connection that makes people really want to say yes, click the button, do the thing that we were asking them to do?
2: One of the biggest things that we want is like just when we're communicating with friends or with family is to be understood the way that you find out like what's on someone's mind or what's like keeping them up at night or where they want to go outside of like having real life conversations with the target market. The other way you do that is by research. And I think it was uh, Gary Vencevega. I hope I said his name right. I think he's the one who said that um, research, like copy is one in the research. And so if you're really taking your time and understanding what are the biggest pain points, um, what's the biggest like hold back of that next level, like what's on the other side of this pain point, if you really can understand that, and if you can get specific on who your market is, it's a lot easier to talk empathetically to them. The first part is like one, understanding, but two, I think it even goes back further in just like having a product or having a service that you really believe in, because then not only are you empathizing, but you're relating to Um, And that's just so important, I think, with human connection is are you relating, are you understanding, and can you help them get to that next place?
0: Let's talk about where you are in business today because you've been very busy and I know you have a lot going on. So where do you focus most of your time and energy today? Oh, my gosh.
2: Uh, (laughs) I feel like there's like quite a few projects. So I do work full time uh, as a copywriter with Amazing.com. And I also freelance and work with online um, or with business coaches that have online courses. And so usually at any given time, I'll have one or two, sometimes three launches that I'm working on, but it's really spread thin at that point. So what I'm focusing on next is how can I move away from one-to-one sales and copywriting and move to -to one-to-many, right? So that could be consulting. Kira, you gave me that idea. Or it can move to like packages that I am not always in the work but able to advise um, because my time is limited. And what I really want to do is also launch my own brand in e-commerce. And that also gets me to the one to many where I'm not always um, it's not just me serving one other business client, but it's me being able to serve many clients at once. So there's quite a few uh, places where my mind is at right now. Uh, but long term, that's where I want to head is the one to many sphere. Um, and to be able to hire myself as my own copywriter in the e-com world.
1: So tell us a little bit more about what you're doing with Amazing. So for, for those who don't know, Amazing helps people set up businesses on Amazon. Um, but what is the work that you're doing there, uh, like helping with their launches and, and the other communications that they send out there? What are you doing on a daily basis?
2: Sure. So uh, we have moved to a model where we do a webinar once a month. And so what that means is I'm constantly in launch mode. So that could be, I mean, at any given time, that could be writing scripts for a video. That could be writing scripts for an ad. That could just be writing plain text ads. But the entire funnel, usually what that looks like is... Facebook, Instagram ads over to a landing page um, and then over to a sales page. So I'm constantly on rotation doing that. And then when we have big launches, like one that's coming up here in June, um, it's adding those extra VSLs and those extra video touches uh, and writing the scripts for that.
0: So as you're, you mentioned, you, know, you are building this e-commerce brand. That is the goal, right? It's to build your own e-commerce brand, one to many. That's the dream. So how do you prepare for something like that when you know that's what I'm working towards, but I'm not there yet. And currently, you know, I'm working for this company and I'm working with one-on-one clients. Um, How do you get from point A to point B and how do you, yeah, how are you proceeding towards that goal for other people who want to do something similar?
2: I think the biggest thing really There's two things. One is surrounding yourself with people who can help you get to that next level. So I'm a part of your mastermind, but I'm also a part of the internet marketing group that I go to monthly um, and one other mastermind, right? And between those resources, I have such an amazing pool of talent of either strategists or people who can help me implement. So that's the first thing. Um, The second thing is being like really ruthless with your time and understanding what is the most important use of your time? And I say this with a big asterisk because it's really easy to get into like productivity mode and nothing else matters outside of this, but you're also human and that can lead to burnout. So taking care of yourself, um, and really shifting your mindset there in terms of you also deserve to take care of yourself. You also deserve to have a break, whether that's a workout or a dinner out with friends or something that really fills your soul, fills your cup. So that's, I mean, I'm still working on that balance myself, but one of the things that I've been doing that really helps is most mornings, don't do it every morning, I should. Most mornings I'll write down 10 goals and 10 blessings. And that really helps me fine tune what does my day look like ahead? And am I on track to move towards that bigger goal? Um, the other thing that's really helped me is doing like monthly check-ins with myself and just grading myself. Okay, what went well? What, um, what challenges did I face? What did I learn? And what are the next three goals that I have for the next month? And just constantly doing that for myself to keep myself on track or to allow myself to let go of something if that project isn't serving me anymore.
1: So I definitely want to ask more about the e-commerce brand that you're going to build. But while we're on the topic, like what does that monthly check-in look like for you? And and maybe even like the daily goals, uh, like getting 10 things done in a day seems really extreme. So like, are they really small goals or, you know, what does that look like?
2: Well, what i found, especially recently in, like now that I'm in like crazy launch mode right now, is that I get my best writing done first thing in the morning so I'll set my intention of three things that are my top things to do in that day and there might be subtasks, but I know as long as I get one two I don't always get the three things done but if I get those first one or two then I know I'm on track to roll over to the next day and also there's a book called um, start finishing that I highly recommend this is where I got my check-in process from actually it helps you figure out what's important for the month and what's the big project that you're working on. So um, Charlie is the name of the author. I can't remember his last name. He says, really, we have limited projects in our lifetime. Um, and if you're working on like, you can work on five given projects at any given time, but one of them is like your center stage. And you only get maybe 10 center stage projects in your life. And when you figure that out, you're like, oh my gosh, like, okay, again, shift your mindset around time. Because if you only get 10, well, what's really worth your time, right? And then it makes it easier to break it down into the daily of, okay, well, I know that this priority is actually going to move me forward in the long run. So I really need to get that done first. And being able to be in that proactive stage. versus the reactive stage is, is for me, the way that I've been able to move forward um, and just achieve more things.
0: That really stresses me out to hear about only having 10 projects <laughs> in our lifetime. I'm like, oh, uh, okay. All right. Thank you for the stress. Um, so, you know, because we're talking about launches, I have so many questions about launches, but I think the biggest one is I know you've worked on seven figure launches you've worked on the big launches like you said so what what are some of the ingredients what does it really take behind the scenes to make a seven figure launch happen
2: the first thing is having like getting really clear on what the offer is and what the big idea is um i've found that the first thing that needs to happen is just getting super clear on what's your message um What's the end result that someone's going to achieve? Why are you better than everyone else on the market, um, and why should they trust you? Right, like answering those three questions kind of helps fill out the the copy, right? And once the copy is done, then you can move into like graphics and filming and all of that. Um, but I've been on I've been on uh, some launches where. The copy hasn't quite been done yet and we're trying to do everything all at once and i feel like that's the most stressful because things switch around and it's really just um from a process standpoint the most efficient to honestly start with your sales page and then from there it's like the ads write themselves the emails write themselves the all the little spin-offs come after that but you have to have that main ship first
1: I love that advice um, because I, I think when, especially when I think about launches, and I don't do a lot of launches, but they feel overwhelming. And so for somebody who wants to you know, break into the launch space or whatever, having that starting point uh, is is really great. Um, as I think about you know, what you bring to the launch too, do you ever consult on the offer or improving the offer? And if so, what is that like?
2: Yeah. So I think a copywriter has a huge role in creating the offer. Um, Because again, if you're really immersed in the research, then you understand what the biggest pain points are and what kind of bonuses um, or additions to the offer might actually heal that pain point and move them to that transformation um, that they're after. So in the in the realm of amazing because their core offer has been established for like 8 years really it's what is what's going to make it new this webinar right what bonuses can we offer this time around that maybe somebody didn't buy the first time because they were missing on that right so that's that's what it looks like with amazing and with my freelance clients it's understanding like what what's your differentiator what's working for other people in your space And how can you make your own version of that? And that's actually been really fun to help people create um, high ticket programs from scratch.
0: Can you give an example of that or talk through that more of like what that would look like if you're looking for what's working in the space and how that actually turns into an offer for your own business?
2: Sure. Uh, So I mentioned earlier how important it is to just have a network of internet marketers, right? Uh, Whether that's like a club in in town, right? Like for me in Austin, that's the internet marketing party. Um, that's also virtual masterminds like this one, or I mean, there's so many others out there. So when you have that network, you can compare what offers are working and what aren't and really get the behind the scenes numbers of is this converting or not? Um, is this coach making money or not? And from there, you get the inside scoop of, is this worth like, your time? Is it a lot of energy? Is it a high lift, low lift, right? And from there, it's now you can only, not only are you offering from like a consumer standpoint, what's easiest to buy, right? But you're also able to advise on the creator's uh, side of what's going to be worth your time and what's within your resources right now.
0: I love that idea around Um, You know, networks add value in so many different ways. Communities add value in so many different ways. But actually, like, tapping your network to pull in the data to see what's working, what's not working, and then use that to become more of a consultant to your clients um, makes makes so much sense. Uh, So my question as a follow-up is just what can we do if we work in the launch space? What can we do better with our clients to level up right and maybe eventually charge more because we're providing more value to have more successful launches for our clients i love the idea that you shared around providing feedback on the offer like show up add ideas talk about bonuses give those ideas to your client is there anything else we can do as copywriters to really provide more value and make the launch more successful
2: yeah uh one thing that i really enjoy doing is um i'm not a graphic designer but I do, um, have ideas of where the copy should pop. Right. So on the outside, right. There's, there's offering to help with the offer itself, right. Which is a tremendous value. Um, but then there's also helping with the project management side of how does, how does it look to somebody who's reading the sales page, right? Like what, What photos are you selecting? Uh, What message does that photo have? Um, What are you highlighting either with like borders or frames or what are you making pop out on the page? Um, I found that when you give that like, or even wireframing my, when I do launch services, I also include wireframes because I know how I want my copy to show up on the page. I'm not just handing it to a designer and letting them do everything right. It's, really working hand in hand with that to make the page come alive. Um, And I've gotten comments on that before, but I think it's so important because it's the whole picture. It's not just the words on the page, but how it stands out and what you're highlighting as the takeaways uh, in the offer.
0: Let's cut in here and talk about a few things that stood out so far. So Rob, what stood out to you?
1: So there are a couple of things that uh, I think are worth touching on. Number one, Annabelle talked about finding a group that she joined to connect. Obviously, we are very big on that. We have a free Facebook group. We have the Underground. We have the think tank. But I really just thought that it was nice that she emphasized that you know the really the way to grow is to start creating that network, which happens in groups, and to start learning. And if you get the right group, you can combine those two. And so if you're not already part of the Copywriter Club, for sure, join the free Facebook group. But uh, there are other groups out there that can teach you things like conversion copywriting or uh, content marketing or marketing strategy. There's all kinds of things that you can learn. I'm biased in thinking that the underground and the think tank are great places to do that. But uh, I just like that we hear this a lot. Copywriters need to connect and to grow. And whatever is the best way to do that, you should do that in your own business.
0: Yeah, I was a big fan of joining meetup groups, um, you know, not so long ago. Uh, I know some of that's still tricky depending on where you live with the pandemic, but like, I, I don't know, I love looking at different groups that match my interests. And so um, before I got into copywriting, I went to a lot of wedding tech meetups, and it was this really cool mix of. Uh, industries, um, or businesses in the wedding industry, but who were creating really cool tech products for that space. So it had an innovative feel to it. And um, that's something that I could go to that meetup today and pitch myself as a copywriter in that niche who could be probably be the only copywriter who would show up to an event like that in such a niche. And so it's also great to think outside of marketing groups, copywriting groups, and start to show up in other circles where you're the only copywriter.
1: Yeah. There's a couple of events in Salt Lake where, you know, I'll go, you know, they're based on digital marketing, SaaS, that kind of thing. And you're right. When you show up as a copywriter in those spaces, especially if it's your niche, you're the only one there. And it's a great place, not just to make connections, but to find clients.
0: Yeah. And you don't, it doesn't have to be your declared niche, right? It doesn't have to be like, well, I can't go to that event because that's not the niche I talk about in my marketing or on my website. Um, you can definitely niche hop and show up a lot of different events to see which one, which ones work for you, which ones are most fun and exciting. And, um, maybe also which meetups have the most potential business too, and then go from there.
1: And if you choose the right event, you can actually walk away learning some really great stuff. Uh, information, you know, about maybe analytics or conversions or strategy or, or whatever, things that's apl- things that are applicable to almost any business. Just a, a really smart thing to invest in a few times a year.
0: Yeah. So we talked a lot about sales with Annabelle too. Um, and, you know, she mentioned that it's easier to sell when you believe in the product. And for her, that was really selling the university that she worked at previously. You know, I can echo that from my own experience selling. It's so much easier when you're like, this is an incredible product. How could you not buy this? Let me tell you 10 different reasons why you should buy this. Um, so I, I know a lot of copywriters struggle with sales. Um, and this is kind of an ongoing struggle for many of us, not all of us. And so I wonder if, you know, if we could look at it differently and maybe, maybe the struggle that many of us, have is around our own belief in the product because the product's actually us. So it's it's trickier. It's way too close to home. It's so personal, and there are so many mindset issues wrapped around that product, which is this: I am the product that you are buying. So it can make it easier to jump into the sales call um, when our own belief uh, gets in the way, and it makes it a little bit harder to have that confidence. Uh, in ourselves when, when we're on sales calls.
1: Yeah. I thought something similar when she was talking about this, you know, oftentimes we will get a product that we need to write copy for, and it's not the market leader. It's not the most popular thing and figuring out what is the thing that makes it different and better for the part of the market that you can aim for is a critical part to succeeding with sales. And that's exactly what she did. She wasn't competing for the students who might end up at Harvard or who wanted that massive university experience at a place like Michigan or, or Wisconsin, but instead identifying what it was about the product that she had that was really different and really good and would appeal to the students who you know were her target market. And I think- we can take a lesson from that in the products that we write for, making sure that we are finding the things that really resonate with our audience and set us apart from the big players in the same spaces that we're writing in.
0: And if you are the product and you are selling yourself as the copywriter, who's the best person for the job, and you're struggling with that, then maybe you, know, you could take some time to work through your X factor. That's something that we help copywriters figure out in the accelerator program and in the think tank. Um, because oftentimes we feel more confident once we figure out, okay, this is what I'm doing different, better than everyone else. Um, and it makes it easier to jump into the sales call and really believe in that product.
1: Another thing that jumped out to me was when Annabelle started talking about her morning and not necessarily the morning routine. And we're actually going to come back to this in the second half of the interview, but what she did every morning, writing down 10 goals and 10 blessings and, I really like this practice. Uh, You know, I I have my own morning routine. I haven't really done much of this. I I have taken times occasionally to write down things that I'm thankful for, but I think being so conscious about how blessed is a good word, lucky, privileged, however you want to look at that, and all of the good things in our lives is a really positive experience because it's really easy to get hung up on the things that go wrong or the things that aren't going quite as right being tired, you know, and just starting out with that outlook on a day I think is really impressive and something I think that I need to do a little bit more
0: of. Yeah, that stood out to me too. I mean, that was huge, especially because Annabelle – is not, she's focusing on 10. I mean, it's 10 goals, it's 10 gratitudes. That's like that, that is a lot. I mean, if I do one, I will be happy. So I'm going to start with the basics and just focus on three gratitudes, three goals for the day. I think that's a great place to start. Um, but yeah, I, I love that that's part of her routine. And while we're talking about routines and, and time, um, you know, she mentioned, you could be ruthless with your time or you should be ruthless with your time. And that phrase really stood out to me, just really that idea around being ruthless with your time and what that actually looks like. So I'm just wondering, Rob, you know, what, what have you done? um, If you've done anything recently to be ruthless with your time.
1: Yeah. Throughout the day, this is one thing that, you know, I struggle with Uh, at least I struggle with the way that I approach it, but in the mornings I am very ruthless with, you know, what I do. Uh, almost down to the minute. I know, you know, where in my run I'm going to be at, you know, quarter to six, or I oh, know wow. that I'm going to be out the door, you know, by five fifteen. So um, that works out really well. And and if I hit the minutes, you know, and I'm ruthless, that means I can get my ten pages read in the morning before I have to take my daughter to school, which happens, you know, twenty past seven, and like all of the things line up. So I am pretty ruthless with that part of my day and it works for me. The rest of my day though, uh, not as much. And that's something that I need to be better at. At least I feel like I need to be better at making sure that I'm doing more with the time blocks that I set up, uh, set out so that I can get more writing done or more consulting or calls that we do, the coaching that we do, um, and getting a little bit more ruthless with the rest of my day. How about you? How, I mean, You've got three littler kids. you've got a, a relatively new baby. Like, is it even possible to be ruthless with your time?
0: Well, the baby, the baby has forced me to become ruthless with my time because i don't I don't have a choice for the most part. It's like I have certain hours where we have a nanny in our house, and when those hours are up, that's it. So it's it's been, I mean, of course, it's been hard and frustrating to kind of adapt to new schedules. But it's also been really helpful for me to finally, be ruthless with my time in a way that I wasn't prior to the baby. And so now I'm actually, I mean, Rob, you've seen me do this, but I'm actually planning ahead and I'm blocking time in my calendar over the next few months. So I know exactly what needs to fit in and where, and, um, it's, it's really helping me. So planning is helping me be more ruthless with my time where I don't have, open hours in my schedule where I can just like do whatever or book random calls or just like sit there and figure out what to work on. Um, there, It's it's more rigid now, but that's actually what I needed. And it it actually makes me feel better to feel that ruthless about my time.
1: Yeah, that's interesting to hear. I mean, obviously, Annabelle, she's being ruthless because she's got a lot of different business things competing for her time. Right. All of us have things competing for our yes. time, whether it's family, business, uh, community you know there's there's so many things and so uh, being ruthless with how we slot that out so that it matches our values the way we want to spend our time you know the impact that we want to have in the world is important and again something I need to do more of but something probably all of us could learn from Annabelle also mentioned a book uh, called Start Finishing by Charlie Gilkey. She had forgotten, uh, I think, Charlie's last name. Uh, We interviewed Charlie on this podcast, episode 178. He talked about his book and also his approach to getting things done. If you want to go deeper on what Annabelle was talking about, Uh, in what she mentioned about Charlie's book and his approach. You definitely want to listen to episode 178. It's really good. And Charlie's book, Charlie's approach is again, worth emulating and worth uh, thinking about in your own business. Okay. So let's go back to our interview with Annabelle and hear more about her business. I want to ask about your, like, your dream e-commerce company that you've kind of brainstormed. You haven't really launched into it yet, but obviously you've put a lot of mental energy into figuring out like, what is this thing that you want to do? Will you tell us about that?
2: Yes, sure. So uh, a couple years ago, probably 2019, I had a maxim for the year. I said I would write by day and dance by night. I know that makes me sound like a nighttime dancer. It's not what it is. (laughs) But I love salsa and bachata. Like I've I've done Latin dance my whole life. And it's so important to have a hobby or a community that you really tap into. um, That just allows you to express yourself away from a computer. So for me, that's always been dance. And in doing that, when I made that maxim a couple years ago and I was dancing way more, I realized that there's no shoes on the market um, that look amazing, like go with your outfit that are super fashionable, but also comfortable to dance in. Uh, The dance heels that exist right now are like strictly for like ballroom floors. Like you'll see it on Dancing with the Stars. They're like nude shoes with crystallized, you know, little rhinestones on them. Um, And that's cute for that space. But what I wanted was something that matched my lifestyle where I would go network. I would go to a business function and then go dancing right afterwards. And I wanted a shoe that would take me through that. So that was really the idea of uh, the product that I'm coming out with. And so that's the e-commerce company is creating my own shoe line uh, specifically for women who love to dance um, and want to look good on the dance floor.
0: And what are some some tips. So, if I also want to create an e-commerce company in a couple of years, um, maybe not a shoe company, but something else, um, what are some steps I could take to actually make that happen? Because it does feel it, it feels daunting, right? Especially if you're not in the e-commerce space. But I know this is what you do. You know, Amazing does is they help people launch their e-commerce products. So, what are some tips you could offer based off what you've learned from working at Amazing?
2: Well, the first thing is tell people what you're up to. I know it's kind of scary to share ideas that aren't perfect or aren't fleshed out, or at least for me, I I get, I used to be a little more nervous about that. Um, But when you talk about what you want in this world, like we're all one or two degrees away from somebody who knows someone who can help you. Um, And when I've just talked about, oh, I want to start this shoe company, I have like, I've met designers, I've met people who have manufacturing connections, right? Like people will show up if you ask or if you at least share that you have this idea. So one is to just start talking and your network will show up. Um, The other thing too is you don't have to invent your own product to be in e-commerce, right? And I think that's one thing that amazing does really well is they actually show you how to like private label your own products, right? So there's so many ways that you can do e-commerce. You don't have to be an inventor to be an e-commerce seller. Right. Um, you can certainly go that route, but it's not a it's not a have to.
1: And for you, Annabelle, as you think about, OK, you've got the idea, you've started making all of these connections. And I know that this isn't the the primary focus of what you're working on right now. But like as you start thinking about what are the next steps you know, as you move forward, is it in, is it building an audience? Is it like building the products? Like, you know, how do you keep that momentum going so that, you know, when you get to two or three years down the road and you're ready to do that launch, uh, that you're ready to go?
2: Sure. Um, so the first thing, like for me, what I struggle with is, um, posting to social media. That's always been like my, I don't know. I just have a thing about it. So the first thing that I've done is actually, um, I've hired someone to help me with my personal brand strategy, because even though I don't have a finished product right now, I can start growing my list. And the way that you start growing your list is by sharing authentic content. So who am I? Who Who is Annabelle Verde? right? My social will tell you that before there's a product to launch. And I think that's the biggest thing with anybody. Um, before somebody decides to buy from you, they have to know, like, and trust you. They have to have that relationship with you. So even if you don't have something right now, what I'm coaching myself through (laughs) is to just start posting content because eventually you'll get more, um, comfortable with that and you can start your list. You can start, yeah, just collecting data on like, what do people care about? What What are they reacting to? And then when you do have something to launch, it won't be to crickets. It'll be to someone who like actually supports what you're doing and loves what you're doing.
0: I love following your content on Instagram. <laughs> so keep <laughs> keep doing it. I love it. Uh, so, you know, you've, you're talking about these big ideas, big ventures, right? And launching something that feels really big and you are the inventor behind it. Uh, sometimes this could be daunting and, you know, we tend to get in our own ways. Um, how have you navigated your mindset over the last few years or even, yes, since 2019 so that you are working towards it and you're not self-sabotaging and you're continuing to grow and work towards these really big dreams? I think it's so important to be nice to yourself
2: um, because we all have that little voice in the back of your head that's already negating things, right? Um, And – For me, I'm constantly reading uh, material that helps me become more nice and positive to myself because you're living in your body, right? Like, and you have to live with your thoughts. So you might as well make them positive. And it's okay if something doesn't happen right now. It's okay if something doesn't go just as planned. I think for me, that's been a really big reminder of, Things will happen in their time. I can do this. I will do this. And just being my biggest cheerleader in that way. um, Do I wish that I could have launched a year ago? Yes. Um, But what I've chosen to do is grow my coffee business. Is that working for me? Yes. And so will that serve me as I launch my e-commerce? Yes. So I know that like for me, the biggest thing has just been writing those goals daily if you can or if you do um, and just keeping yourself on track and giving yourself permission to also let those goals change. Um, One of the things that I've learned, I've been writing my goals almost daily for like the last four or five years. And it's really cool to look back and see, oh, wow, I don't journal about this anymore because I've already achieved it. Or I don't write about this goal anymore because it's actually not serving the purpose that I want. Um, So just giving yourself permission to be flexible with yourself and nice to yourself um, and trust that you're on that path.
1: So we keep coming back to this, the list idea. Would you share what a couple of the goals are or a couple of the blessings that you wrote on your list today?
2: So one of the things that I've done is I have started bullet journaling. And I know I'm like six years late to this game. I just started this year, but it's amazing <laughs> um, because it really like it gives you flexibility to journal how you want, but it also gives you a system to... Realize what you're avoiding or what you haven't done, and just make sure that you can either circle back to it or cross it off your list.
0: Can you define? I mean, I am late to it too because I don't know what that is. So, can you just talk about like what what is bullet journaling? How do I do it? Sure. Let me get to like my latest month,
2: so I can partly so I can talk this through. Okay, so bullet journal is a blank book, blank journal that has like little page numbers on it on the bottom and you literally draw in whatever you want so i every month will create my own analog calendar for the month and i still have a digital calendar that i you know add my google ad excuse me google meetings to and all of that but this allows me to do like a digital detox in the mornings and just kind of like be with my thoughts so I'll, I'll literally draw a calendar this is my may calendar that's drawn out and then i'll write like what are my top three goals and always come back to that and on top of that i have a list right afterwards that's like what are the big tasks that i want to do and so i'll create four columns And I'll say, this is what I want to do for my copy company. This is what I want to do for amazing. This is what I want to just get done otherwise, right? And I'll write my list there. And if I cross it off that month, great. If I don't cross it off, it rolls over to the next month. So I never forget about it. I might notice that I'm avoiding something or I might notice that I just haven't gotten to something, but at least it's like accounted for in my mind and then I'll move on. Um, The other thing that's been really fun is every day I'll write down my wins and I have it in one big list. So like at the end of the month, I can see what were my three wins from May 1st? What were my three wins from May 18th? Right. And it's actually really fun at the end of the month to go through that because it gives you like a really big wave of gratitude of just, oh, my gosh, look at all these things that went really well or that I celebrated or um, just made my life full. And then I'll also do like a reflection of like what I noticed. So if I haven't said it already, Mm -hmm. bullet journaling is amazing because it just lets me like get all my thoughts out. But it doesn't restrict you to like a page or two pages or whatever like template any journal planner wants to sell you, right? Like you really get to create this for yourself. So I love that. Um, But what you were asking about was what were some blessings recently? So, yeah, I mean, I, I got engaged. I just, um, yeah, I got engaged in Cabo. So I'm really blessed that that happened. That was a total surprise. Um, I went to Vegas with my sisters, uh, got to celebrate my sister's 40th. So I was really happy about that. Um, I completed a money management class. So I feel like my money is on track and I know how to grow my wealth. Um, yeah. Responsible for two launches. And while that's a lot of responsibilities, it's also a really good thing to have a full plate. So those are a couple of my blessings. Again, I, I do 10 blessings a day. And then as far as goals, um, top goal, be a millionaire in my early 30s, um, have a cash flow of 500K a month or more, launch my own voice, grow my visibility. Uh, on YouTube and Instagram, uh, launch my shoe store, launch my Amazon store, bikini body, shred it up. <laughs> Those are just some of my goals.
0: I love that. I love and I love too how some of your some of your wins in some ways that you could look at them like stresses or challenges. Like managing two huge launches could be a huge struggle, but you've reframed it as like this is a win, being responsible for two launches is a win for me. And so I love that. I'm going to do that, um, do more of it. Uh, so I know we're, we're running out of time with you, Annabelle. Can you just share where our copywriter listeners can connect with you, find out more about you, um, and yeah, just stay connected. So you can go to my website, uh, that's
2: ProsperAMarketing.com, or you can connect with me on Instagram and that's Annabelle, uh, underscore Landa Verde, A-N-N-A-B-E-L underscore Landa Verde, spelled L-A-N-D-A-V-E-R-D-E.
0: And I can't wait to buy your shoes when they are on the market, even though I'm not necessarily a dancer. I'm still going to buy them and wear them. I can't wait. And um, we're grateful you know, to work with you and the think tank. And thank you for, for sharing your time with us today. We appreciate it.
1: Awesome. Great advice. Thanks for having me. That's the end of our interview with Annabelle. And before we end this episode, let's talk about just a couple more things that Annabelle touched on and maybe they stood out to you and me, Kira. So first, what jumped out to you from the second half of this interview?
0: Well, we had already talked about the 10 goals and 10 blessings earlier, but um, we revisited it in this part of the conversation and really reframed the struggles. So I think this is something Annabelle does really well, reframing struggles, challenges as blessings. And so for her, she's so busy. She has so many projects on the go. Um, And I know she talked about running multiple launches at one time, which we all know it's hard enough to run one launch at a time, but to have a couple going is intense. Um, And so uh, Annabelle was able to reframe it, and view those uh, launches as blessings. You know, like, isn't it great that I have work and I'm working with great clients and I have these launches that I'm responsible for and I can help my client have a successful launch. Um, I mean, those weren't her exact words, but it just, it just shows the power of, of mindset and how we can reframe everything in our day. And, you know, this is really helpful for me because I can, I can definitely go down the dark path sometimes and get stuck. Um, just, you know, feeling sorry for myself or overwhelmed. And I think it's really great to be able to pull yourself out of it and say, well, actually, where's, you know, where is the blessing in this? Um, And, you know, maybe you don't use that language exactly, but you can figure out the right language uh, that works for you.
1: Along with that, she was talking about the three action items that she has every day. This is really similar to something that we teach in the very first module of the Copywriter Accelerator. We call it the Daily Four, and it's identifying four smallish. They don't have to be very big. I mean, they, certainly they could be a little bit bigger, but you know, things that you can do in say 15 to 20 minutes in the beginning of your day, just to get things started off right. And they include things that you want to do for your business, not necessarily for your clients, but for your own business. There could be something that you do for your client, something that you're doing, uh, for your, uh, loved ones, family, you know, whatever, um, to make a difference in their lives. And then something that you do for yourself, self care, you know, take some time to rest or, you know, go for a run, those kinds of things. And having those three to four things that you do every morning can just set your day off in a way that you've already accomplished things. It just, it starts that accomplishment chain. And now with the rest of your day, assuming that you're being more ruthless with your time, like we talked about earlier, you're able to get more done. And I think Annabelle has figured out how to use this kind of a process Really, to get herself going and make sure that she's getting a lot done every day, and that that matters when you're, you know, doing two or three lunches at a time.
0: Yeah, what I what really I take away from this entire conversation with Annabelle is around the power of setting big goals. And Annabelle shared some of those big goals with us, and thinking really big about your future, not just thinking about the next step in your career, but thinking about some of those. Big career ideas that excite you that may not happen tomorrow, but it could happen five years from now or 10 years from now. Um, And giving yourself enough time to reflect as you work towards those huge goals. And that's something that I really admire. And Annabelle, even though she's so busy planning a wedding and juggling client projects and also balancing her job, her full time job, she still sits down and makes time for reflection, to, to celebrate where she's been and to stay really focused on where she's going. She's really clear about where she's going and sure it may change along the way, but I, I don't think most of us take time to really think about where do I want to be 20 years from now, 30 years from now, what projects do I want to work on? Um, so that's something that I want more of in my life, more time to reflect.
1: Yeah. When she was talking about this, I wrote the dream in all caps in my notes here. You know, it's a a lot of us have a dream. Maybe it's copy related. Maybe we use copy to accomplish the dream. But, you know, Annabelle's dream around creating the the shoe company, uh, the things that she's doing on Amazon, the skills that she's learning. It's all building to something bigger. And I like that outlook. Uh, sometimes we don't have that huge dream. At least it's not that defined. You know, we're thinking, well, you know, we want to have enough money to retire or, you know, we want to live in a particular place, but really thinking it through, defining what that looks like, then allows you to do things like she was doing, you know, when she posts content about her dream, she's able to use that to research, to find out, you know, what does the market respond to? What should she be thinking about when it comes to you know questions, when it comes to features, the benefits? And she's using content basically, not just to uh, validate the dream, but really to make the dream even better, even bigger because of the feedback that she's getting as she you know s- starts to talk about it and share it with the world.
0: yeah, i just I just think it's really a cool time to be a copywriter where you can use your copywriting skills to fuel the next dream that you have in a way that Annabelle has done it. And and there's no shame in that, right? Like you can be a copywriter and still like use the revenue that you bring in or the skills and experience or just the the platform that you're building, the authority that you're building um to fuel and pay for the next stage in your career. Um, and I think that's that's really exciting. And I'm yeah, I'm all for that. So um it was cool to see Annabelle talk about that.
1: Yeah. I want to see more copywriters talking about what they're doing, talking about the projects they're working on or the thing that they're building and not just after it's done, but sharing throughout that process.
0: That's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please please visit Apple Podcasts and leave a review of the show. We'd love to see your review if you enjoyed the show. And if you're ready to invest in yourself and your copywriting business and finally achieve some of those big goals, visit copywriterthinktank.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
2: Copywriters coming together To help the world write better Copy and make more money Kira and Rob's
1: Copywriters Club